Hello everyone, this is Internet Governance Explained. We are Sophie, Lily and Selena. We have invited Daniel Mosbrooker to discuss cybersecurity for journalists and his investigative work on abuses of the dark web. Daniel, please can you give us a short introduction of yourself? Yeah, I'm Daniel. Um, I'm from Germany. I'm based in Berlin. Uh, my background is uh, basically a journalistic background. Um, so I studied journalism and I, I've been working in journalism now for... 14, 15 years, um, and during the time um, I more and more specialized uh, myself about, yeah, basically IT stuff, so um, data protection, IT security, um, surveillance, um, and yeah, working on the intersection of journalistic work, IT security, um, yeah, and I'm uh, yeah now specializing on darknet research in the journalistic field uh, and on the other side like um, consulting newsrooms and uh, training journalists in the field and yeah securing their data uh, etc. So just to start off why has cybersecurity become such an important topic when it comes to state and personal security? The obvious answer is of course uh, because today everything is, uh, is is digital and I mean in journalism, you, you cannot work in an analog way only. So even if a strategy was, oh, only meet your sources uh, offline, uh, yeah, okay, uh, how do you buy a ticket today to, to uh, come to the source? Uh, are there surveillance cameras um, around that may uh, uh, film you when you, when you go uh, to the source? How do you communicate uh, before with the source um, so uh, it's impossible today to not use digital tools um, for your for your journalistic work and I think what more and more becomes visible to us is now this is what you in um, in academic terms this is called ubiquitous surveillance this sounds dystopian but it's more like a, a theoretical um, theme basically to to explain okay what happens if really everything we do becomes not part of the digital world but always has its link between analog digital analog digital so if everything we do has somehow connections to the internet and that's basically why IT security becomes now something that you cannot say it's not important for me anymore because um, yeah, really everything we do somehow uh, leaves data, um, we have data stored somewhere um, and yeah, the digital world basically means that everything is somehow connected uh, with each other. Okay, so this is quite related to an individual user's perspective. Would you also say that um, there's recent heightened attention on national cybersecurity? And if so, what effect does it have on the work of journalists? Yes and no. I mean, if, if you were asking this question to mostly all other professions, you, we can imagine everybody would say, yes, of course. So like, a, um, I don't know, a doctor that has to protect uh, the data um, of their of their clients or a lawyer or whatever uh, they mostly would say yes the state has to protect us for journalists this is a bit yeah 
it's not that easy to ask the state for help because we are the ones who should in a democratic society be the ones who control the state so do we as journalists or the journalistic system um, do we want the state to protect us mostly not so that's that's also of course part of the problem um, so uh, i was part of a of an expert uh, group writing a recommendation paper for the federal government um, of germany where we were also confronted with okay what could the state do to 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 strengthen um, the journalistic system and to support journalistic work and we were our conviction was really like not on the individual level and not with concrete solutions but what you can do and what would really help is like investing in infrastructure investing uh in in in, in products that could be that could be used in free products that could be used are developed uh, independently so there's a lot of need for money um but uh, not in terms that that really the state is now our new yeah safeguarding instance because i think just because the threats are now higher uh, we shouldn't uh, change the journalistic function the journalistic function in a democratic society should still be uh, controlling the state and not the other way around could you give us an example of a cybersecurity breach attack or threat that have limited a journalist's ability to deliver their work so in it security we basically differentiate between three different groups of actors um, so it makes a difference if there's a let's say i'm I, i'm researching i don't know some right wing guys in uh, in germany who i don't know who do bad things <laughs> and i'm i'm researching on them so what so my research is then targeted against individuals so on on the, on the other side there are like uh, nazis uh, here in germany maybe they they are um five to ten people maybe they are 50 uh, but they don't have like state resources and they don't have like too much money too much power to make crazy hacking attacks with with super high profile technology uh, they are probably good in um, yeah making physical violence uh, against me but that's not the thing about it security what they, so what they would probably try is um, to to hack my to hack my account if i have a If I have a wrong pa a bad password, that's that are the things they could do. They could invest uh, and spend a lot of time uh, finding out. Okay, has this Daniel ever lost his password that he's using everywhere? Oh yes, cool. Then let's try on his Facebook, on his Twitter, on his Instagram. So and we do see this sometimes. Um, uh, yeah, mostly these cases don't become public. <laughs> People like me, if I may say. I hear some of these cases, not on the daily basis, but I would say once a month I hear something like this. But journalists don't want this to become public because it always means they were bad in protecting their sources, they were bad in protecting uh, their, their research, um, and you cannot trust them anymore. That's why they want to have um, support, <laughs> but they don't want this uh, to become public. Then we have uh, another field in this private actors uh, game uh, of, of, of more like organized crime groups. And they are just a very recent case is here in Germany, uh, the, the newspaper Heilbronner Stimme. Um, they, this become victim of a, of a ransomware uh, group. Um, so all the data of that media outlet 
uh, was encrypted and uh, the media outlet could not access it anymore unless they uh, they would pay uh, ransom. Uh, and yes, there's, we have these cases more and more that, I mean, this is targeting also um, hospitals or, or big companies. And of course, it's also targeting uh, the media industry. And um, this is this has a crazy financial impact on them, on a on a profession and on a on on an industry that always uh, already has its financial problems uh, due to the uh, digital change so this is um this is a dangerous development um that that of course uh, media outlets that are not super well protected become more and more attacked uh, of these ransomware groups this was the first sector we're talking about uh, when we uh, uh talk about IT security so um, like individual actors, be it a Nazi, be it organized crime, like individual people. This is a com it's a complete different thing if you have the state as an opponent, because the state has much more financial resources, man much more, uh, uh, many more people working for this. Plus, uh, the legal aspect of it, they can go to a uh, to a service provider, um, um, asking, okay, hey, we need all these emails from. From this person uh, because it's a suspect. Um, we have cases uh, also here in Germany where, for example, the, the phone uh, was uh, wiretapped uh, of journalists when, um, yeah, for for example, some people from the justice uh, system uh, one were investigating some crimes. And then, what we typically see there in democracies is that not so much the journalist itself uh, or themselves are the target of the investigation. But they are the go-to to the to the real criminals. So, uh, I mean, journalists are doing mostly pretty similar work than in, than criminal investigators. They want to find out interesting things where something goes wrong. So we also, of course, have sometimes sources that are yeah part of the organized crime. And if you, as an investigator, uh, know okay, this journalist might have contacts to people I am looking for. Uh, the easiest thing is to to wiretap for example his or her phone to see okay who are the bad guys we're really looking for um, so first group individual actors second group state actors the third group third and last group we can differentiate between uh, when we talk about um, yeah the adversaries is like what we what we can talk like the tech bubble like google facebook amazon um, this is a bit difficult because they are mostly, when it comes to data security, not that much in the first uh, place, not that much uh, our problem because, I mean, Google has no commercial interest in hacking my data and publish them on the web. Why should they do that? They want to make money and I'm just one of their customers. The problem is more that they... Uh, are more and more forced legally by states to hand out data. For example, in the US, um, um, internet companies, big ones, are forced to, for example, hand out geolocation data uh, of, of people. So where were these people? And the problem we have is that the laws are so young, so to say, uh, that they are often like, bad laws in terms of protecting journalists so you you what what we see is that laws are made they are written maybe even with a good intent okay we need these 
location data because we want to look for the criminals and they forget just to say yeah but we cannot get the data from journalists because they still have to protect their sources that's what they just forget and then people in the field become yeah relatively creative and say oh, well there's this new new law and we have this journalist having sources and we want to know who his sources are uh let's use this new law um that's something we uh, we see um yeah so long answer to yeah unfortunately many cases and yeah what role do journalists play regarding national but also private cybersecurity i think we should uh we should play a bigger role <laughs> Because uh, I think what we are lacking is to uh, to really make clear that we are vulnerable um, and that we as a democratic society need journalism. Um, but this is now a bit like self-criticism uh, of the journalistic sphere. We are not that good in saying publicly that we as journalists also have our concerns and our problems right we are always the ones uh, knowing it better we can always criticize we always know the truth uh, we always uh, can write comments uh, and and have the solution for everything but we are not that good in saying publicly well we also might need here and there um, some support we have problems with uh, IT security we are maybe also all just humans and we are also lazy in protecting our data uh, we uh, everybody thinks that we as journalists protect our sources very well but unfortunately that's not always the case so um, I think we should play um, a bigger role because we are really one of the stakeholders that really need cybersecurity and, uh, and and strong IT security systems. We rely on the big services as well more and more. Um, yeah, so having a, a stronger voice, I think, could also make a political uh, political could have an, a political impact. But I don't see this unfortunately uh, too much. What cybersecurity mechanisms or laws are in place that protect journalists in the digital space? Even in, in, in Germany, it's hard to say which law. So um, in general, you can say journalistic protection in the digital world does not um, mean that you have this one law with, sub, with the title journalistic security in the digital sphere, but that you, for example, we had, of course, in the analog society, already laws protecting uh, us in court so that we don't have to name our sources in court and how it has then developed is that um, in these particular laws it's kind of like um, an add-on like okay and if if we're talking about I don't know digital communication this means that people who were able who, or who, who would be able to not name their sources in court it's also not allowed to to tap their phones something like that that's more but, um, but this does not for example say anything about okay if the police is not allowed to go to your flat and uh, i don't know search all your papers and everything you wrote um, um, this does not mean that this automatically also applies to emails that are stored in your inbox on another server so um, it's hard to say which laws there are in you can say that um, we 
I mean, the internet is not that new anymore now. <laughs> There's a lot of regulation in place now. Um, what we see is that when new laws are made for the digital world, that the journalistic protection is mostly forgotten, <laughs> but not because of a bad intention, but just because nobody thinks about it. Nobody cares about it. And then after a few years, there's there's like a case when someone misused that law to, to I don't know, wiretap uh, uh, phones of journalists. And then everything, oh, well, we need a protection there. Um, and the problem is that especially in the in the field of surveillance, the uh, it's hard. It's hard to prove that something happened because the idea of surveillance is that you as a victim don't know that you were tapped. So. Um, and that's why I mean we as journalists also need to be uh, like louder with our voices and also like more present uh, when these laws are made uh, also during during the lawmaking process. Um, of course, this was now applicable what I said like for a country like Germany um, where where the situation is not always nice, but of course extremely much better than in other countries where where laws are made with a bit intention against against uh, journalists against press freedom so um, yeah of course you can deliberately uh, target journalists and uh, do this with an intention and I, I think the rise of spyware especially in rep repressive uh, regimes uh, yeah shows us that this um, th that this is a problem especially for non-democratic countries okay so now that we talked a bit about journalism and cybersecurity and journalism in the digital space in general we would like to talk a bit about you and your work so as you told us in your introduction that one of your focal points in the past years has become the dark web and in 2021 you helped uncover a forum used by pedophiles to share pictures of children amongst each other that went pretty viral and could you tell us something about that whole project? Like what's the current status of the investigation? Did anything change after that for the better, for example, for the protection of the victims or any um, any repercussions for the perpetrators? Yeah, that's um, that was indeed a big uh, investigation, probably so far the biggest one in my, uh, in my life. Um, also the, the hardest one, uh, just because of the of the topic uh it was uh, the field was completely new and um yeah i couldn't have imagined what humans could do to other humans especially to minor ones so uh in in brief you can say that these big darknet forums uh, are structured in a way that people meet in the dark web anonymously to exchange content and in the darknet you cannot remove anything so the darknet is made it's built against censorship in a, for a good way. So it's, it's made for like political activists in, in dictatorships that they could set up their website and nobody's able to, to, to delete it. So, and, the, and the criminals um, misuse this technology, setting up a forum where uh, yeah, pedo-criminals can meet and can exchange the data, the illegal stuff like photos and videos where children are misused. And we're talking really about, to me personally, the baddest things you can imagine. I mean, we're talking not about, I mean, it would also be, it is crazy to talk about teenagers who, but we also really, I mean, I don't want to say that this is not bad, but 
something that I couldn't have imagined that we also talk about babies, for example. Babies are misused. Uh, they start like some babies are misused in their first week of life. Uh, that's something I couldn't have imagined uh, before. And this kind of stuff is exchanged there. But the problem these pedocriminals have is that they don't have, sarcastically, they have too much of it. They have too much content. And the darknet is not made for much content. It's just too slow. It's You need servers. You need to pay for these servers. You don't want this because you want to stay anonymous. So there are a lot of reasons why you cannot have these, like we're talking about thousands and millions of gigabytes of data. So what they do is they hide their um, uh, their data in the in the regular web at so-called file hosts. We all know that system from like our Google Drive or Dropbox. So we just put it somewhere and say, hey, here's the link. Just click on that link and then you can download it. And yes, you need the link. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a clue like how to download something from my Dropbox. So the, the, the link is super critical to know. That's the important thing basically you need. Uh, and this link is shared on the dark web. Um, but only that link. And the, the real data is still in the, uh, in the regular web. Um, at regular service providers who have a name, you can write them, etc. And what we found out is that if you would just send the service providers these links, they remove it within hours. And we were just asking, okay, why is not, why is the police not doing that? Um, and um, unfortunately, uh, I still don't have really an answer. Uh, there was a big discussion, a relative big discussion afterwards in Germany because people were really like shocked. And to me, uh, the government, criminal investigators, they, they, don't, they didn't have the best answers <laughs> uh, to that. But uh, they, some, it was a mixture like, ah, it's not that easy. And yeah, it's, it's a complex topic. And uh, we also have other priorities. We have to find the bad guys and save the children. And we cannot remove, uh, always remove. And if we remove it, they upload it again. It's like a mixture of that. Uh, I, I don't want to dive too much into that um, because it's also a bit frustrating uh, because I think we always again and again have to remember okay what the fuck are we talking about we are talking about the misuse of children of babies so and even if some people upload it again and again I would delete it again and again there's just no it's just not an argument to say that people could upload it again yeah then I delete it again and again and again um, that's just the thing I think we have to also do for these people because if you if you were a victim of child abuse and and you know that this content is shared and shared and shared again, this is already something that is traumatizing and you cannot really start getting over it when you know that it's basically still ongoing. And if you then as, as a victim hear that the state doesn't even give a shit basically about it and it's not removing it. Yeah, you can imagine what this is, what this means for these people. That's really something uh, really unfortunate. Um, yeah, we we made another investigation that was published just a few weeks ago, where we unfortunately could demonstrate that nothing changed, um, that it's still uh, online. Although the German Federal Minister of Interior uh, said in the TV, yeah, yeah, we we understood and we changed our workflows. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I hope it will change. So, uh, I mean, this is f 
really something uh, I, I mean, pathetically speaking, that's why I became a journalist. Because to always say again and again, hey, this is bad. We have to improve that. We make that public with our reach, with, with the many people we can reach. These are important topics. So we will continue working on this, definitely, um, and hopefully improve uh, the situation. What can the individual internet user do to protect themselves from becoming a victim of cybercrime? The interesting thing is the meta, the meta observation uh, of everything, be it become a victim of sexting so that, I don't know, people take your pictures and, and forward it to others, um, or that, I don't know, breach, they breach into your account and read your emails, or whatever, you get a virus on your computer. The meta thing is always expected. Expect that it will happen. Um, because the best thing you could do for the adversaries is to not care about it, honestly. So once you start thinking about, hmm, maybe it's really not a good idea to all everywhere have the same password. Uh, maybe I start changing it. Um, this makes such a big difference because so many people still have their one password, their one bad, weak password. And once an adversary tries to like hack into your accounts and realizing, okay, hmm, it's obviously not that e uh, easy, I take the next victim. So um, because also adversaries have limited resources, limited time. So the, I think the most important things is really like to think about it, what really what is really uh, important and in my trainings uh, that I give I I always have like five must do's uh, you have to you have to take care about um, number one is really the account security we call uh, account security is what we call like password management so that you have a password manager have different passwords and have two-factor authentication I know that people are get bored about it uh, but the thing is that's the biggest thing you can make a difference as an end user if you use gmail you can for example start encrypting your emails as a single user blah 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 but you, but you rely on that system so you won't change that big infrastructure of, of gmail and you also won't change the privacy policy of facebook or instagram we could argue against it we can we can be worried about it but we won't change it but i uh, account secure is really something where we as an end user can really make a difference with a strong password with two-factor authentication that's my top one priority for end users that they could do um, second thing is having your up, having your systems uh, up to date uh, so installing the update uh, not always postpone them <laughs> i know that they always come in the worst uh, in the worst timing so during a video call or something your computer is asking you okay uh, I want to uh, install the update now and uh, of course then it's a wrong timing but not postpone it two or three weeks uh, or like sometimes month. Um, third thing is having a backup. Uh, so uh, have a backup of your of your data. I would recommend at a minimum uh, every two weeks. I mean always imagine what would happen now if you lose two weeks of your work. Uh, I mean maybe you use, you use a cloud for this if that's okay with your privacy and data uh, security then use a cloud if the accounts for the cloud are uh, well protected then uh, use uh, 
secure communication, like secure mass communication channels. So for example, uh, an app like Signal is, I mean, it's super easy to use. Uh, there's no difference in like WhatsApp, et cetera, et cetera, but everything is secure from a technical uh, level. Um, so with small things really can make a difference. Uh, and the fifth thing is if you have to take care about your privacy, think about having a VPN um, uh, so that you don't can be tr traced at least that easily uh, during your uh, entire uh, web. Pretty basic uh, stuff, I know, might sound a little bit boring, but what we see in our uh, work when I do consulting, when I do training with people where something went wrong, it's, all, it's mostly the basic things that were, um, that were exploited. If we are not the number one target of the state, uh, the chance that we are hacked with super sophisticated Trojans uh, is relatively low. And even if we are the number one target, if we have a bad password, they won't hack us at all because they just won't log in in our account uh, and, and use uh, our bad password. So the easy things are really the things where we can make a difference. I know it sounds boring, but uh, yeah, that's unfortunately the case. Yeah. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us and for giving us an insight into the important work that you do. Bye, everyone.